Greetings, seriously planners. It is May 29th, 2016. You're listening to episode 28th of the Seriously Planning Audio Stories series. Today we're talking about a fabulous, sort of new, pretty new book uh, by Brene Brown called Rising Strong. If you're familiar with Brene Brown, she is a shame and vulnerability researcher extraordinaire. This is actually her first book um, that I've actually that I've read, though I've read interviews with her and and podcasts and are familiar with her work by friends talking about her. But this is the first book of hers that I've started and completed. And this the this book is called Rising Strong, and it's I believe her third book. Her other books talk about becoming vulnerable. About she has a book called Daring Greatly that's about being vulnerable and daring, and opening yourself up. She has a book called The Gifts of Imperfection that are about the gifts we give ourselves when we sort of recognize our perfection. And this book is called Rising Strong. And she defines the rising strong as a process, as a life habit. And rising strong is to rise from falls, to overcome our mistakes and face hurt in a way that brings more wisdom and wholeheartedness in our lives. And that's how she defines rising strong. And she gives it sort of three parts. The first is the reckoning. And that is the moment where you recognize something has happened that you are uncomfortable with. It may be that you're having an argument with your spouse, with your siblings, with your friends, with a work colleague, and you're feeling, or you're, you haven't had an argument, but you're just feeling angry inside and upset, and you can feel your muscles tense, and something is happening in your body, in your physiology, in your mental state, uh, that is indicating to yourself that something has happened that you are not comfortable with, that you are wrestling with, that is causing you to to react. Um, and when we become curious about that, about what is going on, why am I so upset? That is a reckoning process. And when we go from that moment and from recognizing that there's something happening into rumbling about it and trying to figure out what's happening, um, that is what she calls a rumble of investigating and trying to learn more and, and being detectives about ourselves. And then the third part of this rising strong process is what she calls a revolution where we take that curiosity, the, the insights we've gained from following our curiosity into actually changing the way we understand ourselves, the way we understand others, and ultimately the way we live, learn, love, parent, work, etc. And, um, it's a very powerful book. I am surprised for, it's not a, um, I feel like I saw it in bookstores and it didn't seem like that long of a book. When I was reading the ebook version, I, I got it from the library. It was 400 pages and I started this book with a new notebook and finishing this book, I feel like about half the notebook is done. When I look at the pages, about half of, half of the pages of this notebook are now done because I took so many notes while reading this book and there's so much to learn and gain from it. And it's such a readable book, but it's chock full of wisdom and insights. And I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I actually just took it out twice from the library, um, you know, read it, signed it out the first time. It was time to return it. I wasn't done with the book waited again for it to come to me and then finish the book. And, um, it's just been such a wonderful read. And I wanted to, there's so many lessons here, but I wanted to talk about a few of the lessons that I got from this book and why I think it's a book that is worthwhile reading. Um, so the first lesson is that she really highlights in the book that it's important to go through moments of discomfort and not to shy away from those experiences you have when either you've you failed or you're you're feeling upset or your heart is broken or you're you're needing you're angry or you're 
you know, there's a conflict happening, whatever those moments are that are producing a reaction with you, ignoring them doesn't work. And she goes through several different reasons why that doesn't work it, and, and says that when you don't deal with your emotions, when you don't deal with that dis- discomfort, it manifests in a whole bunch of other ways that are ultimately unproductive for you, yourself, for your family, for your relationships as a whole. And so the the only way through is to go through the discomfort and to investigate what is it that's causing me this t- discomfort and what is it that I need to figure out about myself and about my assumptions. And this, it's a really powerful insight because I think, um, in this book, she tells a lot of stories and some of them are very personal and she talks about her kids and she talks about her marriage a lot and, um, her relationships with other people. Um, but what, one of what I found really insightful was that she does talk about her marriage and I've been married for a little bit over a year now. And one of the things I learned when I got married is that you're putting together two totally different people with totally different backgrounds and you're trying to figure out how to make a family unit and how to put your lives together into a way that makes sense for both of you. And, and part of that, even when you come in with a lot of emotion and a lot of care and a lot of concern and respect, you need a lot of skills in order to do that. And, um, you need to figure out the things that you don't know and, and develop those skills that you don't have. And this book I think is another way to sort of build onto that toolkit. Um, and in particular, build onto the toolkit of how you deal around deal with conflict and how you deal with conflict between each other, towards each other, whatever the dynamics of that is. And what she says, um, and she, she sort of gives you language for, for that process to happen. So in the book, she talks about how we're all wired for storytelling. And when we have a reaction to something, our brain, even if it's not true, even if it's filled with conspiracies and filled with assumptions and inaccuracies, we tell a story about what's happening. And she tells a story in the book and refers to it several times in the book where she goes for a swim with her husband and she's feeling very vulnerable and close and connected. And she keeps trying to sort of reach out to him and to, to uh, keeps making these attempts to get his, not really get his attention, but more just to connect with him and express how she's feeling. And he is just not responding in any way. And each time she gets um, a bit of a blank expression or a vague statement from him, she feels more and more disconnected and more and more rejected. And she decides, and you know, she's, this is her research, but she's still having the same reactions. And they have a conversation about it and they've been married for 25 years. So they are able to have this conversation and they swim back, um, I think in silence where they have the, the swim there, there's a period where they're able to sort of think to themselves, but they have this conversation where she says, I was trying to connect with you. You didn't connect with me. And this is the things that I was telling myself. And he says, actually, this is what was happening. I was thinking about swimming and, and it was bringing up all these things for me. The important part of that story is they talk about the story I'm making up is, and not that this is what you're doing. This is how I feel. You're always like this, blah, blah, blah. It's, they're able to tell themselves and each other that I'm having a reaction and I'm having a reaction because I'm telling myself a particular story about this experience. And it's such a disarming phrase because it's not, um, an accusation. It's not, um, a description or a 
I'm trying to think of the right word, but it's not, it's not a, an assessment of the person. It is you telling a story that you are telling yourself. And it's very powerful. And the whole time I, when I read this book, we read it, I read it a lot out loud and we read it a lot at home. And I think it's, that I think is one of the most powerful insights of the book is having this language to understand when you're having a reaction, when you're feeling upset is to be able to tell yourself, I'm telling myself a story. You'll have to tell to the other person, I'm telling myself a story and then kind of work through what that story is and how much accuracy there actually is in that. Um, so she, and so she gives techniques of how to figure out what it is the story you're telling yourself is. And part of that, she says, writing is very powerful. And, um, she says what is very helpful to do is to do an SFD and the clean version of an SFD is a stormy first draft. The S um, can also stand for something else, but that is really a way for you to write very messily, only intended for your eyes, but a draft about the things you're feeling, the things your body is feeling, um, what is, what of your beliefs are being brought up, whatever, however you want to express that, but it, it gives you some way to process your thoughts before you ever get into contact with another person, whether that's, you know, a work colleague, your spouse, whatever. Um, and I thought it was great. So my first, the first insight that I got from this book is you need to get through conflict, you need to get through moments of discomfort, but you need to rumble and work with these moments in a way that is productive, in a way that allows yourself to recognize that you're telling yourself a story because your brain is hardwired for story and the stories that you're telling yourself may or may not be true um, and that you need to interrogate your assumptions. And so that was that was kind of wonderful beautiful insight really incorporated into our family toolkit of how we build a home together. Uh, the second insight that I got from this book is, is her recognition that people are doing the best that they can. And she tells a story of being at a conference, having a terrible roommate, not being happy of speaking at the conference and that producing all these reactions within her. And she goes through, um, some work with her counselor to figure out why she's so upset and does research and finding us this point where she realizes people are doing the best that they can in the moment. And though that may or may not be true, it's a belief that she chooses to hold and, and that, um, and her husband, she has a beautiful moment with her husband where he says, I, I believe this. He's a physician. He says, I really believe people are doing the best that they can. And as they know better, you know, the Maya Angelou phrase is when you know better, you do better. Which he also says though um, is we need boundaries. And when she was doing her research, the people who are the most compassionate and the most able to interpret the actions of others with grace and beauty and generosity are those who have very clear boundaries. So the most compassionate people are people who see other people as doing the best that they can, but also are very clear about their boundaries of what it is and isn't okay. Um, so it's not that they're like, everyone's doing the best that they can and then accept everything they're, they, are very clear about what they're okay with, what they need and what their own needs are in their relationships. Um, so that insight, people are doing the best they can, both produces the insight of you need boundaries in your life, but it also produces the insight that if people are doing the best that they can, and this wasn't necessarily discussed in the book, but it was something I thought about while I was reading, is you cannot place a single person, whether that's a child a parent, a friend, whatever, as 
a center in your life because they are doing the best that they can, but in their humanity, just like you, will fail and slip up and, and disappoint. And um, for me, this was a reminder of faith and a reminder that faith needs to be at the center of how I organize my life and God needs to be the center of my life because that is, for me, uh, a rock and a place of stability of which there will not be slip-ups and, and it's, it's a dependable source of centering. Um, so that was a very nice reminder from this book. The third insight is she talks a lot about heartbreak in the book and about heartbreak is really about the loss of love. It doesn't have to be love that is reciprocated. Sometimes it is love that is reciprocated. Um, but sometimes it's love that, that isn't, that isn't reciprocated. And she's, she has this beautiful quote and she says, the loss of love doesn't have to be permanent to be heartbreaking. Moving away from a loved one can break your heart. To love with any love of intensity and honesty is to become vulnerable. I used to tell couples getting married that the only thing I could tell them with certainty was that they would hurt each other. To love is to know the loss of love. Heartbreak is unavoidable unless we choose not to love at all. A lot of people do just that. Um, and it was a reminder of what it is that experiences of heartbreak and that heartbreak takes many forms. And, um, and rumbling with that emotion and what it is you're actually grieving and what it is that you've lost or haven't lost helps you move through experiences of heartbreak, I think was very helpful for me. Um, she talks about forgiveness in this book in a very beautiful way. And she talks about how forgiveness is about the death of something. And in order to forgive, you need to mourn and you need to grieve because, and because something has died. Um, it may be an expectation you had, it may be, um, a view of something, but, but something, something has died that you need to allow to die in order to forgive. And it made me think of, you know, experiences that you have where someone has, um, in order to truly forgive, you need to let go of, of a certain understanding of the world or a certain understanding of a person and, or your, a death of your expectations of a particular thing in order for you to truly sort of cleanse your heart and move forward. And I thought the way she described forgiveness was really beautiful. There's a long chapter in this book, and this is kind of insight number five, where she talks about failure and she's very open and candid about how she published her first books and the, the challenges she had as an author, um, and being self-conscious about her work and about where she comes from and her own ideas of intelligence and sophistication versus her own reality of being from Texas, not being an Ivy educated, um, academic, having certain phrases that are maybe considered not as refined as say, I don't know, a New York academic or something and being really conscious of how people understood her shame research, the comments they made about her book titles, the comments they made about the story she included, her way of writing and her shame about herself and who she wasn't versus who she thought she wanted to be caused her to change the content of her book. And the chapter is called Composting Failure. And the end of the book chapter is really talking about how when we understand failure and, and assess it properly and, and grapple with it properly, it can be really vital soil that that is nourishing and helps us to move forward and learn from our mistakes. And her mistake from, or what she learned from her publishing experiences was that she needs to interrogate her own ideas about herself, about other people, um, and figure out what triggers shame for her and why why those things trigger shame for her 
and show up for herself and, and show up for her values. So her values of being brave and, and being seen were not things she was living through the process of publishing her book. Um, and this is like her first book when she was self-publishing, which at that time also had a stigma attached to it. And, and so I really liked her, her reflections on failure. And there's so, so, so many good things about this book that, um, I said this about the last episode, which was, um, when breath becomes air, I said, I just wanted to like give this book to lots and lots of people so that everyone could read it. And we could all think about death and what it is we really want to do with our lives and then go do it. This book, I also want to give to lots and lots of people so that to build strong homes and strong communities and strong, um, people, because it's just been such a helpful book for me. The part of the book, and I should say, because there's always critique is also helpful, and I say this from a place of love, the part of the book that really did not ring true for me, and I think is a weak part of the book, is near the end of the book, she talks about how the rumbling, the rising strong process works in different settings. And she, she does a fantastic job talking about how it can work at home. She discusses her own home and how they do this with their children, this this rumbling and this reckoning and rumbling and rising revolution process with their girls and how it helps people to set boundaries when they understand moments of disappointment. She talks about it at workplace. Those are all wonderful situations. And then she talks, there's a section I think it's called Rising Strong Community and it discusses racism and it describes this moment of like a white woman in a classroom crying because she understands that she doesn't have to deal with that she is position uh, is in a position of privilege and she doesn't have to think about what people of color experience on a daily basis and then she cries and there's a line of like we were all there with her in the in the delta and, and Brené Brown describes the delta as the difference between our experiences and like kind of truth um or what we think and, and what is actually true and, and that gap is is the learnings that we do and I think this process doesn't work with racism and I think you can't just like rumble your way to understanding people. Um, there's, there's power dynamics and there's, uh, I don't know, there's so much I had to say about this, but I, but I would just say that the racism part, I think it doesn't work in this book. Um, and, and in fact, highlighting the moment of like a, a white woman crying over racism versus the frustration, say, of a person of color having to explain their experiences to a white person over and over and over again to being that teacher, I think, is more of a relevant story um, and is more of a teachable moment, I think. So I didn't like that part of the book, but there's so much that I did like in this book and there's so much. So I would say it's it's more of a personal learning book and, a, and an organizational learning book and a family learning book than say one to deal with issues of structural power and, and racism and discrimination, but still lots to learn. So I'm, I'm not discrediting it for that one flaw. Um, cause I thought it was a wonderful book and I'm still thinking about the insights that we got from the read. And I'm delighted that this book became a part of my life for a short period of time. Perhaps it'll join our, our family library. I'm not sure. And in the, in the interim though, we've got copious notes and our, busy trying to incorporate these principles into practice. If you've read this book, please let us know what you thought, what your takeaways were, and and how Brene Brown's work has influenced you. This is the first book that I've read of hers, but her, her work on vulnerability in general has been very important for me. I, last year, I, I heard a lot of her stuff about vulnerability, 
And I was thinking about in some of her writings about how when we try to lower our expectations and try and numb in order to numb disappointment so that we don't feel as badly when things go go wrong or when we lose something also numbs feelings of joy and openness and vulnerability is kind of the birthplace of a lot of amazing emotions and a lot of amazing things that was a pivotal learning moment for me and really transformed a lot of my thinking about love and relationships in general and so it was a real joy to read this book so if you've had some wonderful Brene Brown moments as well please do share till next time this is sugar for the pasta you're listening to seriously planning take care